This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, I am Chong Jensan and this is The Breakfast Grill. Retail spending is back with a vengeance, at least for now. One only has to frequent one of the large regional malls over the weekend to experience the traffic jam in the mall, car parks, packed eateries and the long queues at even the Louis Vuitton outlet. However, is this sustainable or will it just be a flash in the pan in the face of slowing GDP growth this year and higher inflationary pressures? Competition is also heating up with new malls such as Pavilion Bukit Jalil and Mitsui Shopping Park Lala Port, while in the pipeline are malls such as Pavilion Damansara Heights, 118 Mall and TRX Mall. Joining us in the studio is Dato Philip Ho, CEO of Pavilion Reed. Thank you for joining us this morning. Dato Philip, for a start, has Reeds as an asset class started to lose its shine with the 100 basis points increase in the OPR by Bank Negara Malaysia last year and potential further increases this year. The current 10-year MGS yield is currently about 3.9% where the difference with, say, Pavilion Reed's indicative yield of above 6% is about 200 basis points. Good morning, Jensen. Good morning. Let's start with the market first. I mean, if you look at the market from 31st of December, the um, MREIT index finished the year with 773 points. Um, if you look at today's market, the, on the 17th of February, the index has gone up to 810 points. Okay? So it's an increase of 37 points or 4.78%. And since then, of course, if you look at all the... Uh, Replays. The industry has picked up. IGB has announced their increase in DPU of 65%. Sunway has announced 51% increase in their DPU. CMMT has increased 117.9% uh, their DPU for 2022. And Pavilion, of course, also increased the DPU payout of 89.8%. So the first question is whether the industry will sustain. Yes, full four are all back in 2022. And this has taken into has not taken into consideration the Chinese market, which recently has just opened. The industry is expecting that um, by end of this month or end of this quarter or early next quarter for all these uh, tourists to start arrive, uh, to start arriving. And this will contribute to the growth factor and the continuation of the growth factor for the retail week in Malaysia. Okay, Dr. Philip, can we go back to the onset of COVID-19 in early 2020 and also 2021 during the periods of various lockdowns and movement control orders? How did Pavilion Reed pivot the business during this difficult time to minimize the impact on the financials? I think um, for us, what we did was during the COVID period, when the government announced the lockdown, a lot of our retail business were required to close by law. And in because of this, we have also shown the support as a land as the property owner. We have given rent rebates so that we work with our tenants in order for them to survive and in order for us to survive on the medium terms. And if you look at our numbers for 2020 and 2021, you will notice there's a drop in our DPU. But the worst is over and we managed to pay out half of the dividend during the COVID period. And by 2022, without the rebates, all the entire sectors in terms of uh, retail have paid up in full in terms of um, their dividend. So we are back to normality. Were there any major changes in your tenant mix post the lockdown? For Financial 21, I understand the top 10 largest tenants contributed about 15% of gross rental income. Has this changed? Yes, that has changed slightly, but uh, not a lot. I think during the period with the rebate, of course, some of the numbers changed, but the majority of the tenants are with us. 
our occupancy rate at Pavilion KL did drop from the full occupancy of 98-99% to about 90-92%. But that is also taken into consideration some of the tenants that are changing the location and some tenants that are moving out to other malls or I should say moving out. So since then, we have of course replaced them. Uh, our occupancies are back to 97-98% in 2022. On your flagship asset Pavilion KL, it delivered net property income of about $316 million, which is a 49% growth year-on-year in 2022. Fourth quarter, net property income also rose by close to 20% to $83 million. I understand the blended rental rate reversions for 2022 was about 4 to 5%. Can you give us an idea what percentage of your net letable area will come under renewal in 2023 and what sort of rental reversions are you expecting? I think for for this year, it's about 20% will come under renewal and we would anticipate that the increase in rental could be in the region of uh, 4 to 6%. And your average tenor of your leases is roughly still about three years? Yes, roughly about three years. Can you give us an idea what percentage of your tenants pay turnover rent now and how does this compare with, say, the peak? Um, there are no percentage, but uh, in terms of the peak, we used to collect about 5 to 6% rental turnover over. Today, we are about 2 to 3% and that number is recovering. Are there any more asset enhancement exercises which you can possibly do for Pavilion KL to extract more yield from the asset? I think asset enhancements is something that we take daily into heart. I, I think in order to maintain a property at its prime, at its peak, asset enhancements will always continue year to year. It's a question of how we balance it. Okay, uh, so um, in Especially in retail, where the usage of certain um, corridors are higher than normal, usage of toilets are higher than normal. So asset enhancements is a continuation. It has to continue. It's not something that you do one year, you stop and stuff like that. So we will continue allocate a certain percentage point, a certain percentage into asset enhancements year on year. All right. How much are you allocating as a percentage of say your net property income or your revenue? Normally we look at the big picture. We look about 10 million or 10 million plus a year just to maintain the property enhancements. So specifically for Pavilion KL, what sort of asset enhancement exercises are you targeting this year? I mean, we have completed our air condition uh, improvements uh, last year. I think this year we might look into potentially um, increasing some of the or improving some of the toilet, okay, and uh, potentially also improving one of the sections in the mall. Uh, Dato Philip, earlier you spoke on the return of foreign tourists and in particular Chinese tourists. So China had in early January reopened its border Historically, how much of the footfall at Pavilion KL has been from China tourists and when do you expect it to reach that peak levels again? Traditionally, if you look at the um, foreign tourists that comes to Pavilion KL, we are looking at 70-30%. 70 70% local, 30% tourists. Of the 30% tourists, more than half of them are from China. So you're looking at about 15-18% to 18 that is Chinese-based. So we anticipate potentially an increase of 10-15% to 15 in terms of visitations this year and then going back to some normality for the following year. Are you able to quantify what would be the incremental revenue from these Chinese tourists uh, once this returns in a meaningful way? At this moment, it's not possible because uh, a lot of them use, uh, either they use credit card or they use cash and uh, the POS systems within the tenants, they, they can't tell us the difference between a tourist and a local Malaysian. I see, but it's safe to say that they will be big spenders in terms of the higher-end luxury market. Would that be a fair statement? Um, I, I think it's a balance. 
there will be um, a group of people that will be spending on the high end and there will be a group of people that is on the medium side of it. Okay, so it's a balance. What about other uh, foreign tourists then? What would be the second after the Chinese tourists? Normally, it, ch- it changes year to year, but this year we seem to see a lot of Indonesians and a lot of Middle Easterns coming to Malaysia for the June-July holiday break. All right, that's interesting. And Dr. Philip, Taman remains a drag on the REIT's earnings, but losses have narrowed to about $7 million in financial 22 from nearly $10 million in financial 21, while occupancy stands at about 65%. And I'm sure there have been exercises done to revive the mall but is there just so much management can do and is a sale a possibility? Well, we, we do consider all options. However, the management of the, the, the team that is managing the mall has uh, since came up with a master plan and we have worked with them. Uh, the occupancy has increased from 65 to 70% as of early this year to start up. Second is, of course, we have a master plan that is just approved for us to move it back to profitable mall in no less than 30 36 months. We have a big master plan now to concentrate Taman more, more into F&B, uh, more into education, uh, more into culture, supermarkets and so forth. So the concentration is very specific now. Uh, we realized that the target market has changed. We did a survey over a year. Uh, last year was a, a study program for all of us and we have a master plan now to change it progressively towards entertainment, towards F&B, towards uh, food. All right. So so what percentage of the current uh, tenancy is now from FMB? The current tenancy is about 30% in FMB. We want to increase that to about 40, 40 plus. Since then, of course, you also notice if you go to Taman often, we have uh, AMW introduced into the mall. We have uh, Subway introduced to the mall. In terms of education, we have an Australian uh, English uh, school also introduced into the mall as education. Um, since early last year, Book Access has also opened a very big area up at level 4 in the mall itself. Does this mean that you won't be renewing some of the tenancies for some of the tenants which are not in the F&B space or the supermarket or the education space? Um, it's a question of which floor. Uh, we are going by floors now. In terms of level 2, 3 and 4, it's fine uh, to be education, it's fine to be entertainment and stuff like that. In terms of lower ground to first floor where most of the F&Bs will be, the concentration will be there. Elite Pemilion Mall has also shown a strong turnaround in financial 22 compared to financial 21 with net property income jumping more than twofold to 41 million. Is this the normalised level of profit for this mall? I think there's still a little bit of room to improve there. We have a couple of falls that we are looking into improving it and um, this is where the asset enhancements will come in and we hope that with the improvement we will be able to list out at a higher rate in the coming month. Uh, how does the rental compare say with Pavilion KL in terms of the elite versus Pavilion KL? Is it quite similar? No, um, it's not quite similar because of the of the different tenant mix uh, inside Elite itself. I think at the main mall itself, you will be able to see different type of tenant mix. At the Elite itself, it's more into F&B, so therefore the rates are slightly different. Is all the leasing for Pavilion KL done in-house or do you engage internal consultants for this? Uh, no, all of them are done in-house. What is the current tenant mix in terms of industries and do you think it's at the ideal level now? Mm, for Pavilion KL, 
Pavilion. Yes. For Pavilion KL, the ideal mix now, I think the we are heavy on fashions. We are also improving uh, or increasing our presence in terms of F&B and entertainment. So at this moment, we uh, we, sh- we think that this is the right combination for now. And all this will change every three years depending on the market and what is new into the market and so forth. So every three years, you will see about four, maybe 5% of tenants moving in and out. So that this is what we call refreshments of the shopping experience within Pavilion KL. On the breakfast grill this morning is Datuk Philip Ho, CEO of Pavilion Reed. When we come back, we will speak on its acquisition pipeline, valuations and if one should be buying the Reed BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. In the hot seat is Datuk Philip Ho, CEO of Pavilion Reed. Before the break, we spoke on its flagship mall, Pavilion KL, Taman and the Reed industry as a whole. Datuk Philip, Pavilion Reed announced in November of last year he has entered into a conditional sale and purchase agreement to acquire Pavilion Bukit Jalil for 2.2 billion ringgit. This will be financed by bank borrowings of about a billion and balanced by two tranches of unit placements. What is the target asset yield for this acquisition? and the current asset yield now. Morning. Um, we are looking at the asset yield of 6.5% and above for this particular um, asset, Bukit Jalil, Pavilion Bukit Jalil. But what is the current yield now? The current yield now is uh, close. Uh, there is no current yield now because we are not um, we are not the management to the mall at this moment. It's only when they reach the 6.5% threshold that we will start the uh, corporate exercise to acquire Bukit Jalil. Will, there, will it be injected with a guaranteed yield from the sponsor before reaching that desired 6.5%? Um, no, there won't be a guaranteed yield, but the agreement is structured in such a way that uh, for $2.2 billion, uh, the first stage of payment will consist of $1.65 billion. The okay. One of the condition precedents or CP to the payment of $1.65 billion is that the mall must achieve 80% occupancy billable at an average rate of $9.50 per square foot per month. It's only when they achieve this that we will pay the $1.65 billion or equivalent to 75% of the purchase acquisition of $2.2 billion. Well, majority shareholders Stansri Desmond and Qatar Holdings actually uh, partake in this placement and will they be maintaining their respective stakes at current levels? For this particular exercise, it's actually quite unique. Uh, this is the first time Pavilion Reed has gone to the market to raise capital. Um, as the principal to uh, placement exercise, um, we have um, the current shareholders uh, would like to participate in the capital raising exercise. However, um, we are we the management has encouraged the two major shareholders not to participate in the capital raising exercises because currently we only have thirty percent of our shares in the public. There is insufficient liquidity in the market at this moment. We would like to increase or take this opportunity to increase the liquidity in the market from 30% to 40 over percent. However, the two shareholders are prepared to underwrite up to 600 million of the 1.26 billion that we are raising in the market, nearly half of it. They will be what we call the backstop to it. So in case the market um, uh, the market participants are not there, both the shareholders are prepared to underwrite up to 600 million of this 1.26 billion. Dr. Philip, can we speak a bit more on Pavilion Bukit Jalil? What is the current occupancy, the footfall and the blended rental rates currently? I think the footfall is up to 
1.9 million a month, as I understand it. Okay, and the current rental is up to uh, close to 950, and they have to achieve 950 or better for us to pay them. So we anticipate that uh, they will achieve this target by early May 2023. I understand that Pavilion Bukit Jalil opened at a not so opportunistic time and had to make do with lower blended rental rates to entice tenants. Can you give us an idea what is the average tenant of the leases and how do rental rates compare with the other suburban malls? I think the tenants are the same. Uh, we will always review it at 3 plus 3. three uh, for anchor tenants, it's a 3 years period uh, uh, three year period for 5 terms. So for certain uh, major anchor tenants like cinemas and the major ones, they will have 3 years at 5 terms or 3 years at 4 terms. So they will sign up to 12 to 15 years. For the normal tenants, we normally sign 3 plus 3 which is 6 years. All right? Um, in terms of timing, we are talking of December 2021 when they first opened their doors. Um, that was slightly after COVID already. So the timing was not the best, but was not the worst either. When they opened, they opened with uh, nearly 50% of tenants and occupancy. Um, of course, at 950, if you look at an average of 950 and you compare to Sunway, Mid Valley and Wanutama, I think they're averaging 13 plus to 15. That is opportunity for Pavilion Bukit Jale to grow from 950 to that particular optimum number. And that is why it is also opportunity for Pavilion Reed to acquire the asset now rather than to wait for it to mature to 12 and 13 ringgit on average. Pavilion Damansara Heights is due to open. It's the first phase in May 2023. Is it a bit too early to talk about a potential injection? I think it's a little bit too early. They are not open yet. Normally, we'll wait to when it's open and when it runs itself for about a year before we look into the numbers. In terms of the net gearing asset, 31st December, Pavilion Reed has a net gearing of about 34%, 65% of your borrowings being floating and the balance fixed. Your average interest cost is 4.1%. Is there a flexibility to restructure some of your borrowings given the higher interest rate environment now? Uh, yes, uh, there is an opportunity to to swap some of the rates when the time comes. So uh, we are monitoring this closely at this moment. Um, the latest valuation for Pavilion Reed KL is $5 billion. It translates into about 3700 ringgit per square foot and if I'm not wrong, a cap rate of about 6 3% and this compares with Surya KLCC's valuation of 5.5 billion or 4,700 per square foot. Do you think there's room for cap rates to fall further for Pavilion Reed KL? Mm, only time will tell. I, I think this year will be interesting with uh, foreign tourists coming back in and with some normality, hopefully with... Um, Air tickets being cheaper and so forth, so people, uh, you know, traveler is more open. Traveling is more open. All this will increase the numbers in terms of the property, and therefore cap rates will also adjust based on that. Dr. Philip, can you speak a bit on competition now? Are you concerned on the incoming supply for retail malls, and in particular the 1.3 million square feet mall at TRX? I think we always welcome competitions. Um, we can never stop the next property developer from building another retail mall. I think our principle is this, as long as we manage our mall properly, 
as long as we are the top few more operators in town, do not worry of competitions that is coming in along the way, whether they are at the middle end, at the top, or even at the bottom. As long as we manage our assets properly and we will always be at the top, that's all we are concerned with. We can never stop people from building. Dr. Philip, what about some of the REIT's uh, ESG initiatives? More recently, I saw that Pavilion REIT has entered into a MOU with Tana Hijawan to explore the purchase of green electricity for Pavilion KL and also Intermark Mall. Yes, um, currently Pavilion has signed up about 20% of our power as uh, sustainable power. We, will, we are working with TNB to, sustain, uh, to sign up more in terms of sustainable uh, energy and recently, we also announced one with Hijawan uh, to look into uh, solar farming up north and to supply to some of our new properties. So we would like to hopefully achieve our target for 50% or more sustainable energy within the mall within the next uh, two to three years. Okay, that's good to know. Dr. Philip, um, one more broad question now. What are your expectations from budget 2023, which will be tabled this Friday, uh, which may affect your view on the REIT? I think uh, this is the first budget for the new Prime Minister. So it's a little bit unpredictable by a lot of us in the market. Of course, we, we would like the government to encourage more shopping, uh, look into potential rebates for power and so forth. Recently, uh, the power cost has increased. Um, those are the wishes that we have for the federal government. And we are looking into a few more things uh, to sustain the wheat industry as a whole rather than pavilion wheat itself. All right, can so you share? power is one of them. Okay, uh, Potentially, we hope uh, one day in the future, withholding tax will be reviewed. The 10% withholding tax that the government has on the dividends payout uh, of the REIT industry. We are working with the authorities to remove that 10% so that we are more competitive compared to other regional uh, governments like Singapore and so forth. Have they been quite uh, positive on this or have they been listening? Uh, will you expect this, let's say, maybe not this budget, but perhaps the upcoming budget in October of this year? Um, we are very hopeful. <laughs> we are very hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Dr. Philip, the share price performance of Pavilion Reed has done quite well. It's up about 12% year to date. In terms of analyst coverage, I noticed there are seven buy ratings, there are three whole ratings. The average target price is 145 ringgit per share, which implies uh, quite minimal upside from current levels. And based on the analyst consensus projections on net income for 2023 and 2024, it is 271 million and about 303 million respectively and the stock is expected to yield about above 6% in this year and 6.4% in 2024 among the listed retail REITs why should investors still be invested in pavilion REIT when there doesn't appear to be a lot of capital upside while you can also get higher yields from the other REIT? I think when it comes to investments in REITs or REIT shares it's a question of portfolios it's a question of mixed portfolios that are very important pavilion um, with the acquisition of Pavilion Bukajale, the contribution from Pavilion KL will reduce from 90% to about 60%. With a new mall coming online, um, Pavilion Bukajale should be able to contribute about 30 to 30 plus percent of the DPU going forward. And the growth factor for the new mall is way better or way higher than Pavilion KL. Uh, as, as, as we as we discussed earlier, currently we are looking at an average of 950 for Pavilion Bukajale with the industry at 
about 14 and 15 ringgit. So the opportunity for Pavilion Bukit Jalil's rental to increase from 950 to 13, very good. For the first three, six and nine years, the contribution from this particular mall in terms of percentage of number should supersede in terms of percentage of number. Um, therefore, we are balancing our portfolio slightly in, in for the future income contribution would be better from Bukit Jalil compared to only relying on one single asset like Pavilion KL. On that note, thank you for your time. Today on The Breakfast Grill was Dato Philip Ho, CEO of Pavilion Reed. I am Chong Jen San, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.